If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips about money, how you might make the most of your money, save it, grow it, maybe even spend it, invest it, make it work as hard for you as you work for it. You know, one of the questions that comes back with the Money Matters community all the time is how much student debt there is out there. And so, you know, this morning I was checking in on LinkedIn and I was reading this article about student loan debt. And there is now $1.5 trillion in student loan debt, which is forcing millennials to stop doing things like stopping all of their big goals, like buy a house and get married and have children and favoring it for things like building an emergency fund or paying off other debt, including credit cards, things that they've gotten um, financially responsible for coming out of college. And so $1.5 trillion, it's a huge number. It affects something like 44 million people in America right now. And so this is a big topic. Timmy and I, Timmy Simons and I, Timmy who works in, in, in our practice at New Day Solutions, and she's been a guest here before. Timmy and I are going to talk a little bit about student loans. Now that you already have them, what you should be doing next. One of the things that uh, we are really passionate about is debt management. Because what we know is that debt is in the way of many of the things that people want out of their lives. Before we have Tammy join us, I want you to think a little bit about $1.5 trillion while we go to this break. Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning, with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Okay, we're back. So talking about that $1.5 trillion and how you might pay that off or help people that you love pay that off, I've asked Tammy Simon, CFP, to join me today to talk a little bit about this debt and how we might help get on the other side of it. Tammy, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me, KT. So there are lots of different ways that you could owe money for school. And so I think that the first thing we want to do is maybe start with the basics. There are all kinds of different kinds of loans that people can have. Can you sum it up for people a little bit about what they what they are and how they work? Absolutely. So I think I think when you are applying for colleges, uh, you, you you get a little overwhelmed with everything, and then you get 
um, the old FAFSA form in front of you and you get a little bombarded. And uh, these loans can be very confusing to most people. So just to break it down to very, very basics, uh, there are federal loans and then there are private loans. Private loans are are really self-explanatory, but their interest rates can be uh, higher uh, and there really are no no breaks, no uh, forgiveness as and when it comes to uh, the protections that they, the government gives you. On the federal side of things, there are direct loans, there are direct plus loans, there are direct consolidation loans later on when you need you want to con- look at consolidating your loans. And in all of these, there are both subsidized and unsubsidized loans. So your subsidized loans are are loans that you uh, qualify for uh, due to your income levels. The more need you have, the more subsidized loans you'll be able to to get. It's a really great benefit to have these subsidized loans in such that if you have, let's suppose you have $5,000 of a subsidized loan, when you apply for it, beginning of college, by the time you graduate, it's still going to be $5,000 because that interest doesn't accrue during that period of time. Whereas in unsubsidized loans, that interest does accrue while you're in college. So you want to take a look at if you're able to make any payments to these loans, you want to focus on those unsubsidized loans before you focus on the subsidized. So you don't want those interest rates to accrue while you're in college to make your debt even that much more unattainable at that point. So that would be my first recommendation is while you're in school, um, focus on the unsubsidized loans and at least paying the interest. Or maybe get your parents to pay the interest. Yeah, a lot a lot of parents will want to help out their children during this time and a good way to, to uh, help out your kids is to look at the unsub, unsubsidized loans and pay the interest that's coming in on a monthly basis. It may yeah, be- I have a lot of parents that are interested in this idea. Not all parents can write the check and send their child to college for four years with no debt. Let's face it, if they could, we wouldn't have $1.5 trillion in student loan debt. But if your parents could help you stop it from growing while you're in school, that could be a huge win. Yeah, I mean, you know, the forward-thinking piece, but you know, now if you already have that debt, I guess we're on to the how do you get rid of it piece. But but let's move on to that. So you you graduate college. Congratulations. Right. Now you owe a lot of student debt. <laughs> right. And they have like six months, right? And then they can get going on it. Yeah, there's a grace period of six months after you graduate. Can uh, take your time, find a job. Uh, don't take too much time because those loans are going to be uh, coming at you hard and strong after six months. A lot of students, when they graduate, they uh, are overwhelmed with this. It's hard to even look at it. I think one the first step that I would take um, when you graduate and you now are looking at um, making the payments to these loans is to get a good idea of what you have. Take a list, make a list, a spreadsheet of all the, the loans that you have, both under your name, under your parents' name. Are they private loans? Are they federal loans? What are the interest rates on those loans? Are they subsidized and unsubsidized? Take a good inventory of what that is and keep track of it because many times people just want to hide the statements. They uh, they don't even want to open the statements. So 
look at it, see what you have. Um, there are a lot of different options under the federal loans um, that you may qualify for moving forward. Um, many students graduate college and their, uh, their income is low. That's a known fact, depending on what degree you got, depending on what job you landed after college, your income um, in those first 10 years of college are hopefully the, the lowest that they'll ever be. Growth that you'll have after that is significant. So during that time, it can be hard to make these payments on these loans. And some of the things that you'll want to look into is um, whether you want to consolidate the loans. When we take a look at consolidation, first things first is your federal loans. You want to keep those in federal if if it makes if it makes sense in such that you know exactly what you have as far as uh, private loans and federal loans. Try to keep the federal loans separate. And the reason why I say that is because there are those protection. There's protections under the federal side that you might not qualify for under the private side. Income-driven uh, repay, repayment plans, as well as public service uh, student loan forgiveness. We'll get into that uh, in just a second. If you are looking into consolidation, first, what you want to make sure of is now that you have your list of all the different loans that you have and all the different interest rates, what could you consolidate to um, under the under a direct loan, direct federal loan? What can you consolidate to and what's the new interest rate? You don't want the new interest rate to be higher than the old interest rate. That's that's kind of a, a no-brainer. But also you want to make sure uh, that you understand under that consolidation loan, the term of the loan. Many times when you consolidate, they'll allow you to expand the term instead of paying it off in 10 years, maybe you pay it off in 20 or 25 years, uh, which is great for your cash flow, but it's going to uh, greatly expand the amount that you pay in interest over those 25 years. So you can imagine paying for college for 25 years. Yeah. What else is that? That makes me cringe. Right. Again, the consolidation of these loans, if you were to consolidate them, um, again, it would help with your cash flow now, but it's not going to help you out 10 years from now when you still have another 10 years to, of payments to make and you, your income to debt ratio isn't where it needs to be to, say, buy a house or you know, take on any other kinds of, of debts that, you, that life might call for. So you want to make sure that you understand what that means. If you were to consolidate and your payments are lower, you know, you can still make higher payments on that when the time um, is right and you have a little bit more money, you can still make higher payments on that. All in all, expanding your the term on the loan will uh, create for problems later on 10 years down the road where you want to do other stuff in your life. And so, I always think, you know, someday you might uh, want to have a family and then one of you might not be able to work as hard as they used to work because... They're home raising kids. And then what happens with all these big loans? So one, one of the real plans I think about student loans is to have a game plan for how you're going to pay them off and by when. And as much as it's really great that they'll give you something like a forbearance or they'll give you a pause where you can wait if you have a problem that's an emergency. But the reality is the longer you wait, the more interest you ultimately pay and the longer it stops you into the next part of your life, which is be a professional, perhaps buy a home, have money to travel, save for retirement, have children, all the things that you might want to do later in your life. And you're dragging along the student loan like a brick. 
behind you that never really seems to go away. So there are some opportunities for people that um, that they can use to do things like, um, so there's the, the percentage of income formula, but there's also the public service piece. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So the public service piece is interesting in such that what it allows for is after 10 years of, of making ongoing payments, it may qualify you for forgiveness of your loans uh, if you work for a qualified employer. So a qualified employer could be anything from um, a nonprofit organization, a government agency, could be the AmeriCorps, Peace Corps, uh, public interest law, uh, health and disability services uh, you want to double check on on all of these uh, employers and see if you may qualify for uh, having your loan forgive forgiven after ten years. Now, to get to that point, what you'll need to do is in, from the very beginning is look at um, income driven repayment plans. So there are many different types of income driven repayment plans. It will take what your discretionary income is from there derive from to a payment plan of 10% of that for for quick numbers if you have if you make $40,000 a year the calculation is is they take your income and then they subtract 150% of poverty gu- guideline the poverty guideline in 2019 is $12,490 so if they were to take 150% of that from your income, you have $40,000 of, that's adjusted gross income, $40,000 of adjusted gross income, and subtract 150% of the poverty guideline, you'd end up with, quote unquote, discretionary income of $21,265. From that, then they take either 10 or 15% out, depending on what uh, repayment plan you're under, uh, so your payment on an annual basis could be as low as twenty one twenty six. That divided by twelve months out of the year, your payment plan would be one hundred and seventy seven dollars. If you were to put this all together, if you were to qualify for an income driven repayment plan, and your payments are one hundred and seventy seven dollars a month, they're they're typically fixed with a fixed interest rate, and you pay that for ten years straight. After the 10 years, if you, if you work for a qualified employer under the, the public service student loan forgiveness plan, your payments would be uh, potentially forgiven at that point. So that would uh, save a lot of people, probably a lot of money uh, right. if their student loans are, are $100,000, which many are. So one of the things, Debbie, that you said that I'm going to clarify is that every year they have to pay 10%. So as their income goes up, the amount that they pay goes up. Yeah, good point. You have to re-qualify for this every year as your, as, uh, as your income changes. So that each year as you make more money, more of your money has to go to pay your student loans. But the reality is over time, it's significantly less than you would have paid if you'd just been in a straight repayment program. And then, you know, this is the other piece. Employment's not a steady line for many people, right? You have a great job, that company closes, you get another job, you're making less money, then every year you're going to re-qualify based on what you're making. 
you're out of the workforce, you're having a child and your income goes way down and you're going to have a lower need, a lower payment that year. But then you go back to work and, you're, and your payment goes up based on the fact that you're at a higher income. So it, it, it's meant to be manageable in your life. That's the whole point of it. But then there's, you know, the, and you talked a little bit about AmeriCorps or Peace Corps or working for a nonprofit agency um, or some government agencies where, you know, whether you're working in health and disability or whatever, where, you know, I always say where you're doing the good work, that uh, the government will give you uh, the opportunity for some forgiveness there. Even if you're on the 10% payment, if you put in your 10 years, and you're at a nonprofit for 10 years, that the combination of those two things would equal payment forgiveness for someone. And I have had people look at this and say, you know, this is kind of a great way for me to get out. It lets me do the work I really want to do. I understand that the money that I get from uh, to pay off my loans is part of the income that I'll have over that time. And then like all other income guys, it's taxable. So Tammy, talk a little bit about loan forgiveness and what happens. Some people might think that this is a bad thing, but I think it's actually a pretty good thing. So let's suppose uh, after 10 years, you know, you originally had $100,000 of student debts and you were able to pay 40 of that off. You have another $60,000 of student debt at the end of 10 years that potentially could be forgiven. If this amount was were to be forgiven, this $60,000 would come to you and, and it would be forgiven, but $60,000 would be tacked onto your, your income for the year. So it would be taxable to you. Consider it a gift from the, the government. We'll give you a gift of $60,000, but we want you to pay whatever your tax bracket is at that point, 22% of that in taxes. Yeah, so, so my rule about gifts is as long as it's wrapped, it's a good thing. That's right. That's right. So uh, 22% of that $60,000 is a much better than amount than $60,000. Right. So it's definitely worth considering. You know, I'm going to I'm going to brag a little bit about my um, about my youngest niece, who is uh, going in the Air Force uh, National Guard. She's going in as an officer. She's a young college grad with uh, a little too much debt, not enough income, trying to get her career off the ground, so to speak. There's the pun on the Air Force. Anyway, um, she can go in as an officer. She's got to go to, you know, boot camp and she's got to go to school, which is fine. You know, boot camp's like, I always think about it like Ironman training, you know, how that goes. You just got to go do a lot of work and that's okay. She's eager for it and excited. And, but she goes in as an officer. She does her six years in the National Guard. They'll forgive her student loans and she'll be eligible to go to school on them to get her master's. So for her, it's kind of a, you know, there's a way not to pay it all if you want to decide how you're going to spend some of your time. And I think that people don't think about that enough, you know, so whether it's you're working for um, in an at-risk school district as a teacher, there's some student loan forgiveness. I've seen people do that quite well. Um, There is the work for the public sector and get some student loan forgiveness after a number of years. Um, But I think that people don't look at these options to say, you know, how might I get that bill down without actually having to be writing the check. And I think there are some good ideas out there. And at 1.5 trillion, here's what I'll say to you, people should be thinking about them. That's right. Good for your niece for, for taking advantage of all the, all the benefits out there. Yeah. And we're hoping at the Air Force National Guard, she'll stay home, but I'm, you know, there's some risk to being in the military and I, I hear that. Um, but she is, um, 
you know, we have a long standing family of people in the National Guard. That's kind of like a badge in our family. So she fits right in and she's willing to do it. So I think that that's a great way for her to get ahead. And it'll allow her to not only get some professional experience to add to her resume, gets her some income, additional income over the next six years, gets her a chance to get started on her master's degree and gets her loan forgiveness. It's really providing a lot for what they're asking. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the trick is, guys, you have to pay it. You have to pay it or you have to love somebody who is willing to pay it for you parents, or you have to do something in terms of you're paying it by committing your time and energy, doing something with a nonprofit or something with an at-risk school or something with a military um, or however it is that you're deciding that you're going to do it. The one thing you can't do is not open the envelopes. Yeah. The other thing is, KT, is I want to talk a little bit about the uh, forbearance options for, for folks as well. I know a lot of people take this opportunity, take any opportunity to uh, defer their loans. And I just want to touch a little bit on that and um, put out a little bit of a warning as far as what that that actually means. So forbearance on student loans is um, really meant for an emergency situation. So you lost your job and you're not able to make the payments. You had some emergency uh, in your in your family that that's taking away from the ability for you to make these loans. In calling your lender uh, and asking for um, for them to defer their your loans is a is obviously a better way than not just not paying them at all. So if you can't make the payments, certainly go through this route. Call your lender and see if there's uh, an, a, a way that you can have your loan uh, deferred for. You know, usually they'll defer you up for to twelve months. But know what this means. So average student loan out there for an individual, the average is $43,538. Let's suppose that that's the balance that you owe on your loan. If you defer that loan, let's assume an interest rate of 5.05%. If you defer that loan for 12 months while the interest is still accruing, you just basically tacked on another $2,199 onto your debt. So you do that year after year, obviously this your loan becomes bigger and bigger and more of a burden. So what I recommend is that if you're going to go this route, that only go this route if it's an absolute emergency and use it as the, the last resort. But definitely do that as opposed to not paying it at all. That would be worse. <laughs> right. But don't do forbearance forever because the longer you're in forbearance, the more times you go into forbearance, the more interest you pay over your lifetime. So you're really just kicking that can down the road and it's waiting for you and it's a bigger can the next time around. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, if you can't get rid of that, that uh, average uh, $43,000 for the average student, the reality is it'll be in the way of all the big decisions that you'd want to make for the rest of your life. So you know, whether it's buy a house or get married or start a family or, you know, God forbid, take a vacation or buy a new car or whatever it is that you're interested in, that your student loans can be an obstacle between you and all the other things that you want next. And the thing that's really important, my last kind of plug about student loan debt is you cannot, you cannot default. If you do not pay, they will wait forever because it's the federal government. And they actually will not forgive you. They won't forgive you in bankruptcy. 
Uh, they won't forgive you under any circumstances. So you either are going to earn your way out or it's going to stop you for the rest of your life, I believe, in financial freedom. So let's get on with it. <laughs> Good point. And with that cheery note, for those of you that owe the $1.5 trillion, open those statements and begin the journey. If you have questions about how to organize this, um, you can always either reach out to the show and uh, look for a financial makeover. And you would do that through KT's Money Matters website. And then if you wanted to talk to Tammy directly, Tammy, how would they get in touch with you? Sure, they can call my, our toll-free number at 800-834-2101. They can email me at Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, at NewDaySolutions.com. Or they can always visit our website as well at www.newdaysolutions.com. And that's it for today. Until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.